reading this morning is from Psalm 118, verses 1 and 2, and 19 to 29. For those who have got the reading from the Church Bible, it's page 616. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let Israel say, his love endures forever. Open for me the gates of the righteous. I will enter and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous may enter. I will give you thanks for you answered me. You have become my salvation. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvellous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With bows in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exhort you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. second reading can be found on page 988. It's Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you. And at once you will find a donkey tied there, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowd answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. This is the word of the Lord. Beg your pardon? Oh, beg your pardon. My apologies. Verse 12. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. 
It is written, he said to them, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to see him at the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law said, saw the wonderful things he did, and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants? You, Lord, have called forth your praise. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. My apologies for... If I'd left that last bit off, you'd get a short sermon. That would never do, would it? (laughs) Father, we pray that your word would come to us afresh, especially the words that we hear so frequently and know so well about this entry into Jerusalem. Open our minds, Lord, to understand your word. And may our hearts burn within us as you speak to us by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, some history about Palm Sunday. Uh, In the year 167 BC, Palm Sunday began 100 years before Jesus, 160 years before Jesus, in the days of the Greek Empire... Uh, There's a man, the ruler, King uh, Aristarchus Epiphanes. He was pursuing a policy of de-Judaizing the the land. So he was making it illegal to exercise their Jewish practices, um, circumcising babies and keeping moon days and food laws and so on. And uh, his army entered into the temple and they offered sacrifices of pork on the altar just to offend the Jews. And he turned the rooms off uh, into fertility cult brothels. Uh, So it was all going on there. And to the Jews, of course, who worshipped the God of faithfulness rather than fickle promiscuity and for whom pig meat was unclean, this was an intolerable uh, desecration of the temple in Jerusalem. So it sparked a riot. It sparked more than a riot, it sparked an uprising. Uh, The Maccabees, Maccabean Rebellion. Now the Maccabees was uh, the term used for the Jewish army. And the word Maccabees comes from the Hebrew word for hammer. Okay, and uh, so the Hammers were not originally a football team from West Ham. They were the Jewish army. In in fact, they were a guerrilla army who struck several hammer blows against uh, against the Greeks, and uh, and eventually they had enough hammer blows. Let's see one go. There it goes, wallop, and uh, they overcame the Greeks, and they lived for a while, after about 20 years, in, in the land, secure, as it were. And it was a time of great hope, because they thought the land had been restored to them, and now all they were waiting for was Messiah to come. God's man on earth to rule and reign over his people. Great anticipation. 
So early on in the Maccabean Rebellion, uh, the Jews won back Jerusalem and they cleansed and purified the temple. And after three years of uh, desecration, to the day, in fact, they restored it. They rededicated this temple in 164 BC. Uh, and they worshipped the Lord. And the rededication, uh, uh, three days, as I, three years, should I say, since it was first desecrated, uh, was this victorious proclamation. Uh, and the, the Mac the Maccabees could only find a vial of oil that hadn't been polluted. And the story goes that uh, it was enough to keep the menorah, you know, that nine-armed nine uh, candlestick that was meant to burn before the altar of the presence perpetually, only had enough oil in it to keep it going for one day. But amazingly, during this eight-day festival of rededication, the oil did not run out, so they tell us, until a new supply could be found. <coughs> so the Jews write of it. They celebrated for eight days with rejoicing, therefore bearing ivy-wreathed wands and beautiful branches and also fronds of palm. They offered hymns of thanks to him who had been given success to the purifying of his own holy place. They decreed by public ordinance and vote that the whole nation of the Jews should observe these days every year. Such then was the end of Antiochus, who was called Epiphanes. So this rededication with the temple became a great Jewish festival, remembered every year, the time of hope and promise. The messianic expectation rising and they looked forward to their redemption. The time when the pagan yoke was broken, when the son of David, both king and high priest of course, he would come and set the world free from sin. And hammer blows would be delivered to the oppressors and palm branches would be waved over the victorious kingship of God's Messiah. So we know that festival today. It was known as the Jewish Festival of Lights. We know it today as Hanukkah. So when you hear Hanukkah being offered as a happy Hanukkah in the world, don't resent it. Feel part of it. Because it's a Jewish story that is also your story. We are part of that. But it's also this festival about the anticipation for the Jews that, that they would be fulfilled one day. But for us in Christ Jesus, we live in that fulfillment. The kingdom of God comes to us because we welcome King Jesus. He has reinterpreted Hanukkah and fulfilled it for us. So if we are to wave our palm branches in welcome of the king, I've discovered that there are things that we have to deliver the hammer blow to. No waving of palm branches without prior hammer blows. So the first thing we want to say is that what we have is for the service of the Lord. Verse 1, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, 
on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and, once, uh, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. Now, the donkey and the colt evidently belong to someone. They are tied up. They're not just wandering around. Someone has ownership. And evidently, they're a follower or a believer in Jesus. And when Jesus sends his disciples to get the donkey and the colt, he gives them this message in verse 3. Say to them, if anyone challenges you, say to them, that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. So here's someone who has set his possessions at the disposal of King Jesus. The donkey owner knew what his stuff was for. He may have them, but they are for the service of the Lord. He knew his stuff was not owned, it was loaned. And when the word of the Lord came, he was able and willing to allow it to be used. And this is where we might deliver the first hammer blow. What if the word of the Lord came to us? The Lord needs it. That takes us deep into our relationship with Jesus. He's the king of our speaking. He's the king of our spirit. But Jesus wants to be king of our stuff. And maybe at times, and I know it's true for me, the word comes, the Lord needs it, and there's something of a struggle that goes on in me. A wrestling with him over it, especially if it's something kind of expensive, like your donkey, or your new Mitsubishi PHEV electric 4x4. See, to send it right away, like the owner of the donkey, sometimes it means that grace has to work hard in me to be certain that the coming king and his kingdom are worth more than anything. Anything I possess is not worth nothing compared to the king and his kingdom. But it's a struggle in me to be saved from my sin, to be rededicated to the Lord. There needs to be hammer blows that break the oppression to set me free. And those hammer, hammer blows come by prayer. It's why we pray through Lent and why we pray every month. Next one's on the 27th of April. In this place at 8 o'clock. Because to hold things lightly as we possess them, so that when the call comes and we're able to send it away, we've got to go through a process of allowing the Lord to be Lord of our lives spiritually before ever he can be Lord of our lives materially. Jesus has to work on us before we are available to work for him. Because you see, the owner of this donkey and this colt was able to send it right away. The reason he could do that was that the donkey and the colt were not there in case the Lord needs it. 
not in case the Lord needs it, but because the Lord needed it. They were already set aside for the Lord. They weren't wandering about in the field. They weren't in the stable. They were there tethered in the street until the Lord, the word came that the Lord needed it. It was what they were there for. What was to happen had already been talked about, thought about, prayed about, until they became available for the Lord's use. Until the possessions were truly able to be sent right away. Until they came to that point of grace where the the owner's desire and the desires of the Lord were one. And they became partners in waving the palm branch over the coming kingdom of God. See, the prophets had spoken about it in uh, verses 4 and 5. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And this donkey owner and we who follow his example are the ones in whom that prophecy is fulfilled. God fulfills that prophecy in us each time we give our stuff for the service of the kingdom of God. We have put, at least in principle, what we have at God's service. Now, we may have a still to go, a way to go, still a few hammer blows to be had, but we're on the way, tying up the donkeys of our possessions for the Lord to use. What we have is for the service of the Lord. Secondly, what we say is for the worship of the Lord. Verse 9 gives us those wonderful Palm Sunday cries. Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Words that come from what the Jews call the Hallel, a verbatim reading of Psalms 113 through to 118, which they would do in full or in part at festivals. Every, all, they did it all at the, uh, the Festival of Lights. Never left anything out. All of those words from the Psalms. And it's language that's dear to our hearts also, isn't it? It's, we know those words. We say them frequently. But it's not just our language. It's the language of worship of those who've gone before and those who will come after us. It's like those expectant Jews since the rededication of the temple have always used this language and now we use it and it will be used into the future. Verse 9 says, those who went before and those who came after shouted Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Whether they were before or whether they were after, they had the same language of worship on their lips. And we stand in that great tradition of faith. We say the same things in worship to those who are ahead of us, as those who were ahead of us. And those who come after will say the same things. And that's why we can't do 
without being part of the church. Because we learn the language of worship and we pass it on to others in our church community. And as part of the church, we learn not only to speak our faith, but to live out our faith together. But this is the place of the second hammer blow. In verses uh, 15 and 16, the children in the temple area who heard it on the road have learned to say it and are now saying it in the place of worship. Hosanna to the son of David, they say. They've learned that language and they offer it freely. And there are those, in verse 15, who are indignant. And Jesus deals a hammer blow to their indignation. Yes, he replies. Have you not read from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth praise? It seems to me that right from the beginning, from the earliest times, God's people have struggled over all age, all stage worship. The children are a distraction. The children don't understand. They don't know what they're saying. The presentation is crass and lightweight. There's nothing in it for the adults. All of that may be true. But it's where we wave our palm branches over our children. All of us showing them together what worship is and what it does. Encouraging them to take an interest instead of playing on their screens or running about at the back. It's where they learn over time to enjoy themselves and where they can be respectively, respectfully quiet. It's where they learn to wave the palm branch themselves and where to shout Hosanna. It's where they learn what faith means with their church family. Now the research and the statistics tell us that children who worship with the adults stay in church into their own adulthood. And they're beginning to say that those who are sent out to some kind of junior church they leave at their earliest opportunity. They leave when they can. And in the light of that, we may thank God. Thank God that we might have stumbled onto what he is teaching us, the way that he's learning, the way that he's leading. It could just be the thing that God is saying to Meekate Church in our day that we who go ahead and they who come after should use the same language of worship. The hammer blows to win our freedom sometimes fall in the unexpected places, don't they? They fall in the places where we're most comfortable. Christ Jesus comes to comfort the disturbed and to disturb the comfortable. And the church is only ever one generation away from extinction. What we say is for the worship of the Lord and our language of worship communicates afresh with relevance to every generation. It's a hammer blow 
to, what's, to, to simply doing what has always been done. And it's a waving of a palm branch over what's coming after. Thirdly, where we worship is for the honour of the Lord. Verse 12 says, Jesus entered the temple area and he drove out all who were buying and selling. He overturned the tables of the money changers and it's said, it's written in my house that my house will be a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. The temple had been turned from a place where the Lord was honoured into a place for selfish and personal gain. A place where it was comfortable and the sacrifices of faith uh, were at best symbolic and at worst they were self-serving. So like the Maccabeans, Jesus strides into the temple and he purifies it, purifies it. His claiming to be the Messiah. The expectation was that Messiah would come and purge Jerusalem from all Gentile defilement just like the Maccabeans had done. But Jesus comes and he purges the temple from Jewish defilement. It purifies the temple. But not just that, it overturns the temple. Verse 14 tells us that the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. They came to him if Jesus isn't at the heart of the temple, then it is no temple at all. And one thing Meadgate Church is good at, that's our church, it's the best I could do. But the one thing that Meadgate Church is good at, very good at, is using the building for the good of God. And of course these days we've been praying about the building and the future, and that we might secure it for our use. And that prayer goes on, and we are hopeful and growing in hopefulness in that. But we mustn't get hung up about the building. Our building is for the honour of the Lord. And whenever the building gets in the way of the kingdom of God, it's time to bring the hammer down. The real presence of God and his kingdom isn't in the building, it's in the things that are done in the building. The things that go on, it's in the meeting and the kindnesses and the service of others. That's where the kingdom is present. And that's what we wave the palm branches over. <coughs> palm Sunday is a day of hammer blows and palm branches. Hammer blows to our selfishness that we may wave the palm branch over our stuff. That when we hear the Lord needs it, we are able to send it right away. Hammer blows over our indignation so that we may wave a palm branch over our children and that God may call forth praise from their mouths. And hammer blows to our buildings that we may wave palm branches over those who are coming to meet with Jesus. Amen.